morning, good morning. How are you guys doing? You guys ready to have some fun? Yes. It's going to be good. Before we get started, uh, Jamil said he had something. Jamil's the head of our healing teams, and so there he is. Let's give it up for Jamil. Did she already take your stuff? She was on point. All right, all right. Uh, thank you. Healing rooms was uh, awesome yesterday. Um, I know we had, I think, 16 people physically that came in to the church and 22 phone calls. People do get healed over the phone. They definitely get healed over the phone. Uh, I'll be brief. Uh, but three weeks ago, my wife and I participated in a uh, inner healing uh, conference. An interesting thing about it was when I went to register and they called me on the phone, one of the comments was, uh, well, we're, we're glad to see you from Zion, we're, but we're kind of surprised. It says, uh, Zion is so highly esteemed <laughs> as a church for healing that, that you wanted to participate. I said, I don't know. I said, we're still learning. Highly esteemed doesn't mean we know everything. Yeah, I, so, I said, we're still yeah. learning. I said, we're here to learn. So that was good, but that's not what my main point. But I, I, while I was standing back there, someone ran up to me and says, oh, I have a testimony. That's a pretty good one. And he says, uh, I think you're just going to tease us with it and move on. <laughs> yeah. Then I'll get to what I was going to share. But they came up to me and said, I want to tell you my testimony. He says, I stopped wearing glasses after 60 years. Wow, that's amazing. I said, what do you mean? She said, I was wearing glasses from the time I was 12. Wow. My eyes have gotten healed. I don't need glasses anymore. That's amazing. Yeah, so good. Thank you, Jesus. But uh, yesterday during the healing room, we, we prayed for a number of people, but there was a particular person we were praying for, and I shared this in pre-service. Uh, when we went to pray for, I can't explain it in a natural. It was like the compassion of the Lord Jesus welled up so much, I couldn't even articulate any words. And I started to weep. And I saw in the word, there's three places it talks of references, Jesus weeping. Um, so this morning I woke up at 3 a.m. trying to be brief. And I was thinking about the situation and the Lord said to me, and we have healing, we have deliverance. When a demon is afflicting you, get delivered. Don't hold on to a demon, okay? I'm going to just say it that way. <laughs> Demons are to be expelled in Jesus' name. Not feared, expelled. But anyway, when I woke up this morning, I said, Lord, you know, we've been praying and praying. And he goes, uh, it's a situation of a fractured soul. A fragmented soul. And when I heard some of the things the person had been through, without a doubt, and he says, sometimes the healing, Psalm 147, verse 3, it says, he heals the broken hearted, right? And heals them of their wounds. And the broken hearted is not like, well, you broke up with a girlfriend, that might hurt you. No, it's a lot deeper than that. It's a lot deeper than that. There's people that are wounded deeply. And Jesus Christ is desires to put the broken, fractured, fragmented pieces back together again. That's good, you know. So if anyone here has any situation, we have ministry team today, get prayer. But Jesus will heal you wherever you need it. Jesus Christ is our healer. Amen? So good. Amen. Love it. So good. Thank you. Jesus wants to heal you on the inside and the outside. So good. We're going to continue our series, How to Know the Will of God, Part 4. I had planned on uh, doing Galatians, and um, it was, it was, yeah, it, it just wasn't ready. Let's just put that way. The stew needs to simmer a little bit more on that one. So it's been two years of simmering, and I'm afraid it still needs more. All right, here we go. Yes, babe. The sign says a three-part series. It's because I added a four-part series last night. Okay. So Mary, Mary makes the banner, so I think that's why she's wanting it to be known. So, yeah. In other words, it's my fault. That's what she wants everybody to know. So that's the takeaway. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord. All right, so let's just jump into part four. And today I want to, uh, in, in uh, knowing the will of God, I want to look at recognizing the still small voice. 
And so there isn't a single person in here that if you got an upgrade with your ability to hear God's voice, it wouldn't help you, right? It would help you in every area of your life. The worst marital problem, it is one word away from a turnaround. If you have a sickness or disease, one living word from the Lord will instantly heal you. If you have a financial crisis, the Lord knows exactly how to turn your financial crisis around, right? It's just a matter of hearing his voice. Picture um, an area where you would like to learn, an expert in any field. The reason they're an expert is because the Lord told them how to do that. And guess what? He can communicate with you on how to do that very thing. So today I want to talk to you about your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears. Okay, so spiritual eyes, I want you to picture your sanctified imagination. Your spiritual ears, I want you to picture your sanctified intuition. Uh, we're going to explain this a little bit more. You guys good? All right, good. We got three. That's all I need. I just needed three. So dozens of verses to show. Let's start in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through 14. But as it is written, and now he's about to quote the Old Testament, then he's going to expound on it. Here's the Old Testament. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of times we hear this quote, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, you know, not, and we're actually like, you know, it's going to be so amazing. Heaven's going to be so amazing. But that's actually not what he's talking about. He's talking about salvation. Look at the very next verse. These things God has revealed to us, speaking of believers through the Spirit. So those things that our minds can't imagine, those things that our human brains can't comprehend, the Holy Spirit is able to reveal these things to us. Okay? There's mis- How many of you guys know there's a mystery realm? There's things like, like revelation in God. It can't be hunted down and figured out. It has to be unveiled and revealed. It has to be done by the Holy Spirit. People may be able to understand the Bible intellectually, but to have a heart knowledge of what it's actually saying and have it affect their lives, it takes the Holy Spirit. These things God has revealed to us, speaking to believers through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. I love this analogy. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. In other words, no one knows what you're really thinking except your spirit within you. Right? No one really knows you. No one really knows what God's thinking except his spirit. And now this spirit who knows what God is thinking can tell you what, you, what he is thinking. Isn't that brilliant? I love that analogy. Now we, have, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Oh, this is good. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit. How many of you guys know some of the things that come from God are offensive to your natural mind? Uh, speaking in tongues. Is there anything more offensive to your natural mind? Okay, there we go. Let's keep going. <laughs> don't, don't talk about tongues, Jim. Interpreting spiritual truths of those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually disturbed. Okay? So I love what he's saying. He said, listen, you now have the mind of Christ. So your, your physical eyes, it can't see it, but you now have spiritual eyes that can see it. Your physical ears can't hear these spiritual truths, but you have these inside ears that can hear these truths. Okay? you got a whole new upgrade. Literally, everything about you is designed to be able to hear and communicate with God. There's, we're not going to go through all of them, but you actually have a spiritual taste. You can actually taste and see that the Lord is good. You can actually hunger for the things of God. You can actually have an appetite for the presence of God. Right? Your physical, like everything about you was, was created to communicate with God. So I'm not sure if you've ever seen those uh, videos where a baby or a little child is born deaf, and then they get the cochlear implant. And they turn it on, and the child hears for the first time, like, hears their mom and dad's voice. Have you guys ever seen those videos? I mean, it is, I don't know about you, it's like, it's just total tear fest, right? It's just, it's so heartwarming when you see that. That's what happened when you got born again. You were completely deaf to the things of the Lord. They didn't make any sense. Christians, what a bunch of idiots. They're going to church on a Sunday? Like, that's your one day off. Why not go play golf? Some of them are playing golf, but that's okay. We bless them, so. And so, right, like, like we're spiritually deaf to those things. And when you got born again, all those senses got turned on. Now you can see things in the Spirit. Now you can hear things in the Spirit. So let's look at this, um, this new faculty of sight, seeing in the Spirit, spiritual um, imagination. Look at Ephesians 1.17. This is right in the middle of the, uh, the Apostle Paul praying for the church of Ephesus. He's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray, listen to this, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know, and he, and he continues, your eye, you have eyes in your heart. You have eyes that see spiritual truth. In uh, John chapter 5, Jesus spoke all that he had said. He heard his father say, and he did what he saw his father was doing. Okay? So he received teaching from the father. All right, And when you look at what he t- received from the father, he taught in word pictures. 
Okay, so what are we saying? Your spiritual eyes, your spiritual imagination, it sees pictures. We hear from God the same way Jesus heard from God. And how did Jesus hear from God? In word pictures. Listen to things he says. I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. I am the way. I am the door. I am the resurrection life. I am the bread. I am the vine. I am the light of the world. What are these? These are vivid images that are painted in our imagination. We can see those pictures. When he spoke, in, when, remember he said he only um, spoke what he heard the Father say. What did he hear the Father say? Remember when he taught on what the kingdom of God is like? He taught in parables. He taught in word pictures. The kingdom of God is like a treasure in the field. The kingdom of God is like a great banquet. The kingdom of God is like a man who lost his son. Are you guys seeing this? One of the ways God speaks to us is through our spiritual eyes and our imagination. We're going to get word pictures that are going to give us vision for what God wants to tell us. And you hear the exact way from God the same way that Jesus heard from God. He didn't have some special bat phone connection directly to God. You have the same connection that he did because it's the Holy Spirit enlightening these things. So when I talk about imagination, what do I mean by imagination? I'm going to read a fancy pants definition here. Imagination is the place within us of energies that are not present to the five senses. I'm going to explain this. Let me read it again. Imagination is the place within us of energies that are not present to the five senses. So right now, uh, I'm in this room. You're in this room. Our five senses, our sea taste, hear, smell, and feel, they're reporting information to us, right? But I can close my eyes and be present to someplace else. Some of you are already there. I, I forgive you for that. But um, <laughs> imagination is where I'm present to energies of places of persons that aren't present to my natural senses, right? And so I want you guys to close your eyes for a second. And take out your wallets. No, I'm just teasing. That's a terrible... It's, it's so childish to even say that stuff. Right, really, but close your eyes for a second. I want you to picture chocolate. I want you to picture a chocolate river. I want you to picture a chocolate river that is boiling. All right, now open your eyes. I want you to continue picturing a chocolate river that's boiling with your eyes open. Can you guys see that? That's your imagination. You're able to be present to energies that are not present to your five senses. God can speak to you in that inner vision. He can literally drop something into your mind, and you can see a picture, and that's a way of him speaking to you. So I remember, uh, you guys have heard me tell this illustration. It's just, it's such an easy one. I was at this restaurant, and we're with a bunch of crazy Christians, and a bunch of people had a bunch of shoulder problems, and so I'm like, hey, let's pray. And so as I got ready to pray for this one person, in my, my eyes are open, but in my mind, I saw myself reaching around her and drawing three stripes on her shoulders. I thought, oh, that's weird. And so uh, I've just learned that the faster you obey, the more power is released. And so I just said, hey, can I try something? And she's like, sure. And so I went one, two, three. I didn't say it out loud. I just reached around and drew three stripes on her shoulders, on the back of her shoulder. And I said, why don't you check out your shoulder? And she said, is that it? I said, I don't know. She said, check it out. And so she lifts up her hand, and um, she begin, her eyes well up with tears. She begins crying. I said, what's happening? And she said, uh, 25 years ago, I was thrown off of a horse, and my shoulder was shattered so bad they had to remove three muscles. She says, I physically don't have the muscles to be able to lift my arm. Those muscles were removed. Wow. Well, I'm so glad I didn't know that. <laughs> I don't have faith for, like, you know, recreation of muscles. But what happened? God spoke to my spiritual imagination, and as I acted on it, power is released. So you got spiritual eyes. You're going you're to have things in your imagination. I guarantee you're getting these things on a regular basis. My sheep hear my voice. It doesn't mean you always recognize it. What I'm wanting to help you do is see that you're already seeing, you're already hearing these things, and so we're going to work the rest of the time to help you recognize it. So then you've got spiritual ears. Uh, John 8, 43, he, he says, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. These were speaking to the Pharisees. They hadn't had their senses turned on yet. He who is of God hears the words of God. He says, you can hear sound in these ears, but you don't hear with your inside ears. Okay, you can actually hear things uh, that God's trying to say with your physical ears through a preacher for whatever else, um, but, but you're not hearing with the inside ears. Inside voice, right? John 10, uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Uh, he said, he who has ears or spiritual ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so when I'm talking about spiritual ears, I want you to think of a, a sanctified intuition, so intuition, uh, you know, women are kind of like naturally better than us, and they like call it a women's intuition, but that comes from yourself, from like your experience. I'm talking an intuition that comes from God. Like logic says one plus two equals three, you know, um, intuition just goes three. And you're like, how did you get there? I don't know how I got there. I just know. Okay. So there's a sudden knowing that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so um, like, like it just popped into my head. There's, there's no lumbering process. It's just 
Boom. I just, you know, Phineas and Ferb, I know what I'm going to do today. Like, all of a sudden, you just have this knowing, right? Really, seriously, no one watches Phineas and Ferb. My goodness gracious. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> Want to hear something fun? Guess who Mary and I had breakfast with? This is so childish. So it was, uh, anyone ever watch uh, Danny Phantom or The Fairly Odd Parents? So Mary and I got to eat with the uh, creator of that. He's going to come visit the church. And um, so, yeah. Anyway, he's a radical Christian and uh, super cool. He's actually trying to do like the new Veggie Tales. He's got a whole cartoon series and a whole children's Bible out with it. It's, it's super cool. He's amazing. But uh, I digress. <laughs> so Nehemiah told, uh, God told Nehemiah how to build, rebuild the wall through an impression, through this intuition. Listen to Nehemiah 7.5. So my God put it into my heart. Look at that language. God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. It wasn't an audible voice that Nehemiah heard. God spoke to his intuition. He spoke right into, right into his heart. It was an influence he felt on his heart. You know what? I think I need to register the people. He was able to discern this impression on his heart that had come from God. He knew this wasn't from himself. Listen to Mark 2.8. This is Jesus. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in his hearts. But isn't that interesting? Oftentimes, these divine impressions, they come to us as like an immediate knowing in our spirit. It's a form of knowledge. It didn't come from logic. It didn't come from reasoning. Oftentimes, it doesn't make sense to our human reasoning. It doesn't make sense to our human logic to draw three stripes, to do, rebuild the wall of Jerusalem like Nehemiah. Suddenly, we just know. So let's practice this one real quick. So you, we did Chocolate River for the, uh, for the imagination. Let's practice intuition here. So everybody close your eyes once again. We've done this one oftentimes, especially with our kids. Close your eyes, and when I count to three, I want you to say your first, middle, and last name in your mind, not out loud. Okay, in your mind, not out loud. Ready? One, two, three. Okay, everybody look at me. When God speaks to you in your intuition, it's going to sound like that voice that you just heard. You're like, hold on, Jim. That was just me. Well, let's look at who just you is. Just you has been united to the Holy Spirit. Just you has the mind of God. So when God in you begins to look uh, through your eyes, you're going to see what he sees, and it's going to feel natural. When he begins to speak to your mind, you're going to have the mind of Christ. It's going to sound like you because your spirit and his spirit have become one spirit. A lot of people are waiting for this shaky King James I'm your father. Like they're waiting for this, like this dramatic voice. You're going to be waiting a long time. A lot of you have had God speaking to you over and over again. You think, oh, that's just me. But just you is somebody who's a new race of being that's never existed before, a person possessed by God. And so this voice that comes us intuitively, showing us these pictures and imagination, uh, this, this voice that's coming and giving us this sudden knowing in our, in our intuition uh, the scripture sums it up calling it the still, small voice of God, okay? Let me, let me just go through some different names that people call us, but it's all getting at the same things. I had an impression. There was a prompting. There was a leading. There was an inner witness. There was an inner voice. There was an interior voice. It was a still, small voice. God revealed this idea to me. God spoke to my heart. I just know it in my knower. People are like, how do you know you're born again? I just know it in my knower, in my spirit, right? Okay, so how many of you guys have, you, like, have, you have some idea about what I'm talking about, right? Let's just spin this, right? All right, so how do you know that it's the voice of God? Okay, so we get these pictures. We get these, uh, we get these impressions. And I'm, I'm going to guess that not 1,000% one, one of them are all God. Some of them might be us. So how do we discern when it's us, when it's the devil, when it's God, all right? How many of you have ever had that frustrating experience? You're like, I can't tell if this is God or the devil, but I know it's one of those two. Like, like, it seems like we should be able to tell quite easily about those things, but it's like, uh, okay, well, let's help you with that a little bit. All right, so how do you know it's the voice of God? What's God's voice going to sound like? Okay, when God gives you that impression or that intuition, it comes with a lifting of my spirit. It comes with this excitement. It comes with this joy to it, all right? There's a vibrancy to it, all right? It's like, it's like my whole spirit joins together and is like, yes, right? It clears the fog. It comes with peace. There's an absence of, absence of anxiety when it comes to the voice of God. I'm not saying you might not be nervous, like, oh, whoa, this is big. But there's not that anxiety that, that is associated with it. Um, he may be prompting you, but it will not bring anxiety. I remember, <laughs> it was a couple years ago, I felt like the Lord was prompting me to run around the church during worship. I thought, oh, God, I don't know. 
And so uh, I turned to my wife, and I was hoping she was going to be like, you are such a brave warrior. I'm so proud of you. Or, uh, or talk me out of it. I was hoping for one of those two things, you know. And so I turned to her, and I'm like, hey, babe, I feel like God's, you know, I'm looking for some sympathy, you know. Oh, uh, God, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, I feel like the Lord's telling me to run around the church. She's like, well, what are you telling me for? Start obeying. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is so bad. So I took off for the first lap, and I was like, all right, all right, that wasn't so bad, you know. And uh, so about the second lap, about the second, halfway through the second lap, I ran out of gas. Like, I, I totally got tired, and I'm like, like, didn't God help Elisha like, outrun the chariot? I'm like, I can't even run two laps around the church. All right, so. So I guess the first one was in his strength. The second one was in mine, but anyway. So, um, yeah, sometimes he'll, he'll, uh, the things he's t- prompting you to do don't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I remember the Lord uh, challenged us to give away everything in our bank account. We had some expenses coming up that we had saved cash for, and this was earlier in our finances. It was one of the rare times we had cash for something. We were so excited about it. And we felt like God said, give away everything in your bank account. But here's the deal. It came with a kind of a joyous excitement. It wasn't like, oh no, this is horrible. Like, what are we going to do? It was, it had this excitement like, man, we're on an adventure. This is going to be so fun. And uh, just so you know, it's really good to have your spouse's confirmation on that. I don't recommend like just doing it without the other one. And I, you know, uh, it doesn't always work like this, but I believe we had all the money back and more within a month. And so sometimes there, uh, the sowing and reaping seasons, you sow something, and there's time before the harvest. Sometimes God wants you to see that this is the real deal, and he'll have it happen early. So I don't think it happens like early every single time like that. But um, what I want you to know, though, is there was something that came to us that made no sense in the natural, but it came with this excitement. It came with this joy. You guys tracking with me? When he speaks uh, his word to us, um, if there's something to do in the word, with that word comes the assurance and the ability to complete that word. Okay, so it's never like God's like, hey, this is a test of your own strength. We're going to see how good you are apart from, no, 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 no. Like, it always, uh, it's, it's not an impossible command. With the command comes the possible from God with it, all right? A lot of people try to um, judge the will of God by their comfort level. Have you guys ever been around these people? And so I remember I was in this uh, leadership meeting and... Um, one or two of the leaders said, uh, well, I'm not really comfortable with that. Well, I, I'm like, I'm not either, but we can't live the Christian life at our comfort level. You want to know why uh, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be your comforter? Because he's going to make you do a whole bunch of things that are uncomfortable. <laughs> your comfort's not going to come from your easy circumstances. Yea, that I say, lay in the chair and watch TV all day. Yes, Father, I received this word by faith. Like, no, he's going to ask you to do stuff that's super uncomfortable. Run around the church, go on a missions trip, give that money, go talk to that stranger. How are we doing? Many people, they are uh, stuck in reasoning. I'm just trying to believe God. I'm trying to believe God. Uh, What they mean is they're quoting scriptures as fast as they can think about them, and they're full of anxiety. Okay? Confession of God's word comes after he's spoken to you. The kingdom's not released because you quoted a verse out loud. But when God speaks that word to you and you confess it, all of heaven is behind that word. It's easy to confess because I know God has spoken to me. I don't know about you guys. If I have a word from the Lord, I can stand in just about any circumstance. If I don't have a word from the Lord, I can crumble with just about any slight breeze, right? And so... When I don't have a word from the Lord, uh, it, what happens is if it's a, it's a word from the enemy, a word from myself, it just drains me of my peace. Right? It leaves me in a state of confusion. Why are these circumstances happening? It's because I don't have a word from the Lord. But when God speaks within, there's a word that brings peace and joy and vibrancy and aliveness, and it dispels anxiety. So that's one of the ways to tell us God's word. Another thing uh, when God speaks is characterized by a flow. Let me explain that. Uh, John 7, verses 37 through 39, Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit coming. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Uh, Some scriptures say out of his belly, right? Now this he said about the spirit whom whom those who believed in him were to receive. Look at that, John. (coughs) Excuse me, John 7. Out of your innermost being will flow, as another translation says. In other words, it's never forced. When you're trying to make God's voice happen, um, it doesn't really happen, right? Like we, we, we're, like, we're like a sailboat. We can put up the sail, but we're completely dependent upon the wind to blow. We can't make the wind blow. We can put ourselves in a position to receive. We can put the sail up, but we can't force it. There has to be a flow. It has to come from God's initiative. 
So, when God, um, so if you're trying to make things happen, you're forcing it, you're operating out of reason, not the Holy Spirit. Well, you're, just trying to, you're, you're turning these things over. <clears throat> but when God speaks, it can be a word, a sentence, a few sentences, a picture. And when it comes, I'm not trying to make it happen. It's just, boom, I get the picture. Boom, I got this word. A lot of times you're not even trying to get God's word. I'm not sure if you've ever done this. You're trying to hear God's voice, silence. Then you're like going through the day, you're hearing it. You're like, oh, man, all right, yes, thank, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, right? And so, um, see, in human communication, we're very limited, right? So we've got words on a page, we've got pictures on a screen, we've got vibrations on our eardrums. We need external ways to speak because we're finite. God is infinite, which means he can put an image directly into your spirit, directly into your imagination. Without using anything on the outside, he can just communicate directly in there, and you can go, chocolate, chocolate river. You say, I'm going to draw three stripes, go speak to that person, give this amount of money. He can put it directly into your spirit. And so there's this flow to it, okay? So um, in its most basic form, communication is just simply someone guiding someone else's thoughts with their cooperation. So right now I'm talking, and hopefully you're having thoughts that I want you to have and that you are, probably wouldn't have had on your own. Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're saying, you know? And so, and again, so, and so what's happening is God is guiding our thoughts with our cooperation. That's what his speaking is to us, Okay? When God speaks, it comes out of the blue. This is another characteristic. It just comes out of the blue. Like I wasn't thinking along those lines, and yet now that uh, something's come to me, like this impression, this, uh, this picture, this impression, this prompting, I'm now thinking differently. It just comes out of the blue. And you might say, wow, I never saw it like that before. And that's not reason. It's that voice that comes out of the blue. And so I remember uh, Mary and I, we, were, uh, we had left the church world, and we were in real estate, and I was just seeking the Lord one night, just kind of enjoying him and just out of the blue the lord says you're to go back to the church building i thought oh no i don't want to do that people are so mean and um <clears throat> it's true my friend uh, says he's going to write a book called why are christians so mean and so um so the, just out of the blue like i wasn't seeking it i wasn't like god should we go back to the church boom just uh, he's like leave real estate go back to the church and i was like well my wife is done with the show she is done with that we cannot go back to religion putting on a production every week and uh and so the lord spoke to my wife the next day out of the blue he talked to her about it and so uh, when god speaks it's suddenly it has a flow to it it's out of the blue it's better than what you could have come up with right it's like it pops into your head and you just have this knowing yeah this is right this is the right way to go um have you ever thought about somebody or just wanted to swing by and visit and when you actually follow through on it you find out it was actually a miracle moment like, it was actually, man, I just needed that phone call. Man, I, this is the exact person that's ever going through something you didn't even know. Okay, what's going on? My sheep know my voice. There's a familiarity with the Holy Spirit, and it's like you, you thought it was you. <clears throat> you thought it was just your thought. But you know what? It was actually the Holy Spirit leading you to do that. Everyone in here who was born again, you were born again because he spoke, he spoke you listened, and responded. <clears throat> Let me say it again. Everyone in here... You're, the reason you're born again is because you heard God. He spoke, you listened and responded, and you got born again. All right? It's, uh, none of us found God. It's like running through the forest, and you trip, and you uh, hit a rock, and you find us, and you look up, and you go, oh, God, you're there. I found you. It's like he, he's standing over you watching. Like, okay, you didn't find God. He was just, he's been there the whole time. He's, he's the one drawing you. Anyone here who's got baptized? The reason you got baptized is because someone said, it's baptism time, and God spoke to you and said, now's your time. No one in their own human strength is like, you know what I like to do? I like to get wet in front of everybody and uh, get held underwater, and what if they drop me, you know, and all that stuff. And we've only lost one person, and that was, no, we never lost anybody, so. <laughs> but everyone here, the reason you got baptized is because there was something in the inside that you heard it's baptism time. There's something in the Holy Spirit said, this is your time. This is your time to do that, and you follow through. Um, how many of you have ever been prompted to go and talk to somebody? It's like, man, I don't, I don't really know what I'm going to say. I feel like I'm supposed to pray for somebody. And I remember the first time this happened to me, <clears throat> I was up in Michigan State. And so I was with, uh, I lived with seven or six other Christian guys. <clears throat> they were radical. We, were, uh, we would do Bible studies every night. We were baptizing people in our bathtub. It was the only time we ever cleaned the bathroom. And, um, and so we, were, uh, we would go to Walmart because they had free refills on the, on the soda there. And so, uh, and so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just feeling this drawing to pray for the janitor. 
And uh, I'd never done anything like that before. We didn't have any teaching on it. But there was just something on the inside. I just, I could, and I just told my roommate, I said, listen, before I check in out, I just got to tell you, the Holy Spirit, I feel like he's telling me to go pray for that guy. What are you going to say? I'm like, I have no idea. And I'm, I'm scared to death. And so they're, they're all so zealous. They're like, oh, like right there, blah, 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 like praying, like, you know, like the, the Chinese prayer meeting. They're just going to town and everything. And so I walk up there and I pray for this guy. And I don't even remember anything particularly powerful happening. Was, I've been waiting for someone. No, no, there was none of that stuff. And, but what was it? There was just, there was this desire. Guys, that's not the devil tempting you to go pray for somebody. That's not your flesh telling you to go do that. Your flesh would never do anything that brave. That's the Holy Spirit telling you to do that. Whenever you're doing any kind of counseling or ministry or just kind of sharing something with a friend, you never want to just give, um, you want to, you never want to just give human wisdom. So it becomes this adventure in listening. I'm listening to what they're saying, but I'm also listening with a second ear. I'm also opening myself up to see if the Lord wants to drop an idea, a story, a scripture. You guys know what I'm talking about. I can hear those human words, but I've got another ear listening on the inside. And so um, I spoke this past weekend at, at another place. And uh, as I was, I was going to speak on healing, and as I was preparing the message, I just began to get these pictures of different illnesses. I wasn't even, like, really seeking the Lord for a word of knowledge. And so I just wrote down some of them. Some of them were kind of strange. And uh, one of them was that there was somebody with metal in their right ankle from an injury, and God wanted to heal it. And so I kind of wanted to chicken out on that one, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to share it because there's a live stream audience, and it could be them, even if no one's in there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sort of. Anyway, and so... Um, and so, yeah, you know what happened? This was really cool. And so there was uh, one person in person and one person on live that we found out. And so the person in, uh, the in-person person came up to us and they said, uh, my wife, uh, she fractured her foot in six places. So you showed us this picture right after her surgery. And she had six holes in her ankle with all these uh, screws and stuff put in. Her foot was giant. And she's like, I've not been able to jog. I've been in pain for years. And uh, she's like, look at me now. So she's jumping up and down on the right ankle. And uh, she'd already run a lap around the church with completely no pain. She couldn't find any of the metal. I don't know if it disappeared. I don't know what happened to it. <clears throat> and so, yeah, and so then um, the other person, oh, when I was sharing it, I said, listen, I, I told this story. I don't know why I told this story, but I guess it was for this lady. We did a healing service down in Columbus, and this lady had been shot in a drive-by shooting in her hip. Uh, it was a stray bullet hit her. And, um, and so she had all this pain, so we prayed for her, and the pain left. And she's like, this stupid bullet is still in my hip. She's like, I hate it. And so I had seen, if you guys know James Mullen, I had seen him do this before uh, with metal in the body. And so I didn't really have much faith. It just came to mind. And so I was like, hey, try this. I said, why don't you put your finger on the bullet and just start kind of rubbing around it as you pray. And I said, you'll begin to feel the edges soften up and you'll feel it dissolve. And, um, and I, like, like that just came to mind. So I spoke it out. And as she did it, the bullet disappeared. And we're like, yeah, you got it, right? So I told that story. And I said, hey, so I said, if you got metal in your body, I'm like, try that. You know, like I didn't plan on saying it. I had this thought. I spoke it out. Are you guys seeing how natural this is? It wasn't like Holy Spirit. The guy's like, Jim, parts the heavens. He comes in. No, no. I just had, I remember this story. I don't even know why I'm sharing it, but I'm sharing it. And so the lady, um, she had, uh, the person's, uh, I think, son came and told us. It was mom was watching online. Five pins in her ankles, and uh, her ankles stuck out as a result of the pins. <clears throat> and uh, so she put her finger on there, started rubbing around there, and guess what? The edges got soft. And then it began to dissolve. And, um, and so she said, now there's an indent in her ankle where it bulged out. And she hadn't been able to walk up to the lake. She had to ride her bike. And then she uh, went and she uh, walked to the lake and back with no pain all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah God. Yeah. <clears throat> I, 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 you know, I, I'm just trying to show you how natural it is. Yeah. There, there wasn't this seeking. There wasn't this fasting. There was, I was, just, I was just thinking about preparing this message, and I just got these ideas, and I wrote them down. And as I'm sharing it, I remembered another story, and I share. Are you guys seeing how this works? <clears throat> you listen to God about your work. But you guys know that God wants to speak to you about your work. A lot of people think, oh, no, that's secular. <clears throat> God's in everything. God knows more about your work than you'll ever know. He's an expert on being a hot dog vendor in the streets of New York. He's an expert on being a nuclear physicist. He's an expert at your job. He's an expert at raising your kids and being married to your spouse and having your parents. This is where many Christians fail at their job. They think being a Christian at the job means being the nag in residence whenever somebody cusses. You guys know what I'm talking about. Someone cusses out loud. Oh, Jesus Christ, you know him. Or, oh, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. And like, like. I don't really think that's what it means to be a Christian, to be the nag in residence of everybody's unrighteousness, okay? 
<clears throat> Being a Christian at a job means, uh, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're giving out tracts or mentioning Jesus to customers when you're supposed to be taking care of business. Okay? It means you do your job, but you do it in the wisdom of God, and he's the one who's teaching how to be the best possible employee. Let me say it like this. Let the excellence of your work be the platform for your ministry. There's a mean way to say it. If you're a stinky employee or a stinky witness, I don't care how many people are getting healed at the copy machine. Are we okay? I remember in the early Zion days, we had so many people who were so zealous for the Lord and they were getting fired from their job because uh, in the calling of persecution, it was like, no, you were supposed to be working and you were praying for the sick on there and you weren't doing your job and that's why you got fired. You weren't persecuted, you were stupid. Listen, if you have some freedom in the workplace, take as much freedom as they'll give you. But you're there to make your boss look good and be an excellent employee. Are we okay? All right. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you a question and leaves you hanging for weeks while you adjust your thinking around that one question until he gives you the answer. How much of you guys ever had this? See, when people don't have questions, they don't recognize the answer when it comes. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you a question... So now you begin to go on this adventure of looking for the answer, and then he brings the answer, and then it comes. I remember I had this question about the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm like, how come in the early days, like, it could be so visible that magicians wanted to enjoy it, wanted to be able to buy it? I'm like, I just don't see that kind of, like, dramatic power being released on a regular basis. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just wrestling with it for weeks, and uh, it was actually, Paul, who was that? Was it Vincent Sinan you guys had, that Regent Scholar? Uh, he, there was some scholar from uh, Regent. I can't remember. He was like the historian guy, or I, I can't remember who it was. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, John Ruthven? I don't know. It was one. John Ruthven, okay. And so he was speaking at a, um, at a, at a gathering of ministers, and I wasn't going to go, and I felt like the Lord's like, you need to go. And so, um, so I show up there, and I show up late, and like the only seat left in the, in the place was at John Ruthven's table. And so I was like, oh, all right. And so I go there, and, um, and it came to question time. And no one, I figured everyone's going to be asking questions. I'm like, listen, I, I don't show up to this thing a whole lot. I don't want to, like, hog all the time. And, um, and so I, I kind of held back. No one's raising their hand. And so I'm like, so I asked my question. And he gives me an answer that begins the process of, of uh, on the way home, the Lord talked to me about this answer. I got the answer, like, six weeks later. But what happened? He planted something in me that, that put me on this quest that, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. Seeking is not just the way you get into the kingdom. It's the lifestyle once you're inside the kingdom. It's this adventure of, of looking for him everywhere, of what he wants to do, what he wants to say. How do you know if it's the voice of the flesh? The voice of the flesh comes over the same old way. It comes as a bully. It's always pressing. It's always urgent. It's always heavy. It always has the potential for anxiety and fearfulness. It always uh, has the potential for condemning and shaming and self-hating. It always follows the path of reason and logic and common sense and look for what's possible in its own human strength. For a lot of people, fear masquerades as wisdom. And they begin to try to determine what God's will is by what's humanly possible. Jesus is like, hey, um, we need to feed all these people. Let's look at what's humanly possible. Heaven's got a completely different way of thinking. There's a flow of the flesh which feels worthless. It feels no good. You'll never amount to anything. No one could ever love you. How could you do a thing like that? And as these thoughts erupt from your unhealed self, that's what the Bible calls flesh. It's your life apart from divine influence. It's that self that lives for self apart from God and tries to pretend it's the real you. You never feel blessed after you hear the voice of the flesh. You're never like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Like, God's going to get so much glory. You're like, this is horrible. I'm unqualified. I can't do this. This is stupid. What was I thinking? You never feel at peace. You never feel that lightness and joy. You never feel the life of God. It's heavy, and it brings despair, right? Now, the voice of Satan, it's grating and intrusive. It barges in, and it makes you question, has God said? Like, you really think you heard from God? Don't you remember that last time you missed it? You can't hear from God. It shoots pictures into your mind, just like God does, but it's uh, pictures that cause jealousy, bitterness, and unforgiveness. It puts pictures of your mind in situations of you losing and you being the victim. That poor, pitiful you that's trampled on by everybody else. That's the voice of the devil. It's always making you suspicious of your own experience. 
Mark chapter 4, there was the parable of the soil. <clears throat> the word of God was the seed. There's four different kinds of soil. And in one of the um, soils, the enemy comes to convince the person it wasn't God speaking to them at all. It says the enemy came to steal the word which was received with joy. One of the jobs of the enemy is to convince you that wasn't really God. The voice of evil never exalts Jesus. It never reminds you of who you are in Christ. It never shoots pictures of love and truth and mercy. I remember um, Mary and I were, uh, I don't know what we're doing. We're early, early on in our marriage, so this is back in like 1920. And so we're, um, <laughs> so you guys remember the, 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 the pampered chef cult? You guys remember all that? It wasn't really a cult, but it was, it was cool. <clears throat> and so we were, uh, you know, as they say in Latin, Maximus Brocus. And so we, ha we had these horrible pots and pans. And every time we'd eat food, like flecks of the metal or like the Teflon would get in the food. And we're like picking out, like, is this a burnt piece? No, this is Teflon. It's poison. Don't eat that. <clears throat> and so, uh, so Mary's heart's desire was to be able to have these, tef these uh, pampered chef stone things or whatever. And so um, we finally had saved up enough money. I think it took us 10 years. No, it wasn't 10. But we finally saved up enough money to get a, um, a set of pots and pans. And there was a friend of ours at the church whose house had burnt down, and they didn't have anything. And so no pots and pans. And so, um, uh, <laughs> <I don't, laughs> this is just funny. <clears throat> Mary and I were seeking the Lord, trying to figure out, Lord, is this you telling us to take this money and buy them the pots and pans for Pampered Chef? And, and I remember, like, we're honestly seeking the Lord because we wanted them so bad. It's like, are we being bad stewards? And finally, we had the revelation. It's not the devil telling us to be generous. And so that... <laughs> So maybe that'll help somebody here. How are we doing? When you receive a deceitful word, it leaves you full of pride. Look, I've heard from God. Nobody can talk to me about this. I have the final word. <clears throat> I'm more spiritual than you because I have a word from God. It always leaves you prideful and everybody else doesn't know what they're doing. Okay? So I'm going to do a little demonstration here. I need someone with a um, high threshold for pain. Micah, why don't you come on up here for a second? So. <clears throat> I'm not going to hurt. I couldn't hurt you if I tried. Look at, look at you. My gosh. I feel like olive oil standing here, standing here. So, All right. So uh, here's what we're going to do is uh, Micah is going to have a chance to uh, hear the voice of God, but when a whole bunch of other voices are speaking. So this is group one over here. Group one, when I count you through, you're going to say, I'm so worried. I'm so worried. Let's practice it. Group two, all the way here through the back. Here's what you're going to say. No, 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 no. Let's hear it. No, 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 no. All right, this group right here, we'll take half the middle here, all the way through here. You're going to say money, money, money. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm very excited about that one anyway. So <laughs> group four, you're going to say you're going to fail at this. You're going to fail at this. Okay, so Micah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the voice of the Lord. I'm going to turn this off here. And so I'm going I'm to speak to you while these other voices are speaking. So on the count of three, everybody, go. All right, Mike, Micah, what did I say to you? What was, the, what was the voice of the Lord to you? You couldn't hear it, could you? Okay. Now let's try it again. Nobody speaking. Still small voice. All right, what was it that time? God's plan is better than you think. Let's give it up for Micah. There's outside voices of people just being mean that batter us every single day, but there's also those voices inside. I'm so worried. I'm so angry. We're not going to have enough money. I'm so afraid. If we want to hear God speak, we must listen, but we live in a very noisy world. Okay? We must first learn to be still. Did you notice that everything changed when Micah was able to silence the voices around him, and then he could hear that still small voice clearly? Let me ask you this. When do you have quiet in your day to listen to the Holy Spirit like that? Uh-oh, he's preaching now. He's meddling now. What's, what's going on here? What keeps you from creating silence so the other voices go still for a while? It'd be nice if you could just hold up your hands like we did and everything stopped, but it doesn't work that way. Psalm 4610 says, Be still and know that I am God. That's an interesting verse. Notice what the, uh, what the writer didn't say. He did not say, talk a lot and know that I'm God. He didn't say, keep the television on and know that I'm God. He didn't say, scroll through social media whenever you have downtime, even when you're in the bathroom and know that I'm God. <laughs> have you seen these people, especially in the men's bathroom, have you seen them standing up? Yeah. It's unbelievable. I saw, it in the, yeah, I, saw it, I saw a guy with two hands on his phone yesterday. 
I'm like, I'm like, I'm so worried. I'm so worried. Literally, two hands on the phone while I was standing there. I was like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Notice, I'm not kidding. Uh, it did not say, overstimulate all your senses with noise and know that I am God. It says, be still. Okay, that, that's why uh, quiet is a virtue in the Bible. Listen to uh, 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Then he said, go out and stand in the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he hears this still small voice, and then the Lord gives him instruction. I mean, imagine this. Elijah has the lightning show of a lifetime. Rocks flying, earthquakes. I mean, you're like, you don't want to be in a cave in an earthquake. Okay? He sees fire. He had every possible distraction to the voice of God, but he had been trained to have a, an ear to hear the voice of the Lord. So I love that phrase, still small voice. It's still. It means if you want to hear God's voice, you're going to have to be still. Okay, you're going to have to have, I'm not saying you can't be doing anything, I'm saying, but there's something on the inside that's not hurried and worried in someplace else in 10 different directions. <clears throat> in devotions, in your reading and praying, you can take time and just say, Father, I enjoy you so much. You can just, you can slow down. And what happens is he begins to engrave on your heart the language of the Spirit as you slow down. When he calls it a small voice, it means it's easy to miss if you're not looking for it. Okay. He does this in a way because it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search things out. So it's time for you and I to act like the royalty that we are and begin to search out the voice of God. <clears throat> so if you want to um, start hearing, if you want to hear God's voice, start hunting. Okay, well, we're, we're going to close the service with an activation here in a second. But um, what if you were to just stop and say this prayer, God, I want to hear more. What if we just slow down right now? And uh, hopefully there's been a hunger awakening in your heart to say, you know what? I want more of that. I can see some of it in my life, but I want to go to a whole other level. I don't know about you. I want to go to another level of, of hearing God's voice. Let's just stop and pray right now. God, I want to hear more. Why don't you just take 30 seconds and just in your own words, just put your heart into, into, into words to God. You can just do them in your mind, but just talk to the Lord about that. And then we're going to do an uh, exercise. All right, one last quick thing before we do this exercise. Just a real practical thing. I just, this is an observation. I can't really explain it. But for some reason, uh, myself and a lot of people, they find that they're able to hear God's voice when their hands are engaged doing something kind of mindless, but their mind isn't really busy. So you're standing there doing dishes. It doesn't take, like, lots of mental energy. So it's like your hands are engaged, and you're hearing God. Uh, washing the car, mowing grass, when you're showering, when you're brushing your teeth, these things that are kind of don't take it. You guys understand what I'm talking about? And so if you need to hear God's voice, um, that might be just kind of like a little cheat code. Just go and do one of those things that you kind of enjoy doing and it's easy for you to do. And uh, a lot of times God will just speak to you right through that. All right, here's the closing exercise. Uh, we're going to do something. It's, it's an ancient way of reading scripture. And I'm going to read it three different times. And you're going to uh, listen for something each time. Okay, so you guys ready? <clears throat> so um, I'll, I'll give you some instructions. But as we're getting ready to, let's just slow down here a little bit. And uh, maybe just pray this phrase from the book of Samuel. Pray this prayer. Lord, speak for your servant is listening. Go ahead and pray that prayer. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read a passage from Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read it three different times. And in between the readings, you're going to have different interactions <clears throat> with those seated next to you. And if you prefer not to speak, you can just take a pass. And so as I read the passage for the first time, I want you to just listen for the word or phrase that strikes you, okay? Just listen for the word or phrase that strikes you. So this is Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. So you can close your eyes if that helps you, but listen for the word or phrase that strikes you. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. 
Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to share with the person on either side of you the one word or phrase that struck out to you. So just say the word or phrase, no discussion, um, no comments, no elaboration, uh, but it's just a word or phrase. Share it with people. I'll give you one minute, and then we're going to move on to the second reading. If there's nobody by you, you can kind of turn around and catch them if you want. All right, 10 more seconds. All right, now I'm going to read the passage a second time. This time, listen for the way in which the word or phrase you just said connects with your life right now. Maybe ask yourself, what aspect of my life does this word or phrase speak to? And we're going to take 30 seconds for silence afterwards. And so listen, listen to God for the connection between that word he just spoke to you and your life. You ready? <clears throat> Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's take 30 seconds and listen for the way that word or phrase connects to your life right now. All right, in just two or three sentences, why don't you share with the person on either side of you uh, how that word or phrase connects with you. Um, not a bunch of elaboration, two or three sentences. All right, so uh, go ahead and share. We'll call it back in 60 seconds.
30 more seconds in case you're sitting next to someone with more than two or three sentences. All right, I'm going to read the scripture one last time. Isn't it good to just slow down and let the scripture speak to you here? So during this, uh, during this reading, I want you to listen to God's call to action. Is there anything God is asking you to do in response to what you've heard? And in the silence that follows this time, listen to God's invitation to you. Listen, uh, talk to him about it. So we'll take one minute of silence after this, okay? So listen to God's invitation to you. Talk to him about what you're hearing. And uh, there we go. Abruptly, Jesus broke into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Take 60 seconds and talk to God about what he's calling you to do, the, call, the response, the call to action. Why don't you guys take one minute and just share with the person what you feel God's calling you to do in response to what he's saying. Don't let it uh, get into a big discussion, just a simple statement of what, uh, God, what you believe God's calling you to do. And then we're going to uh, close in prayer. We'll do a prayer exercise at the end. So I'll give you 60 seconds. Go for it. I'm going to give you guys a bonus minute because we're a generous church here, so...
20 seconds. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pair up with one other person and just pray according to what they shared. And so if you want to take a pass, you can take a pass. Just a few sentences is enough. And so we're going to call time in two minutes and we'll dismiss. So two minutes, just uh, pray briefly from what they shared. You can just, uh, Lord, I just pray you'll give them strength to whatever. I mean, you can be something as simple as that. So two minutes. Two minutes.